Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. The title of this message, write this down, is The Principle of the First. The Principle of the First. I want to show you in Scripture that there is a principle at play When it comes to giving the first, giving the tithe to the Lord. So in first Kings chapter number 17, starting at the eighth verse, here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a little bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. As I was gathering, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Who responds like this? Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me. Louder. Louder. Make me a little bread first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Maybe he's hard of hearing. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. That's good stuff talking about the principle of the first. What we have in this particular passage of scripture is uh, Elijah going to deal with a rebellious Israel. It's no different than what's going on today. The people's hearts had been turned and compromised towards wicked idolatry. How many of you all know we live in a time, a day and age right now where if we're not careful, we can slip into idolatry. And just so you know, idolatry is subtle. It's not something that you just blatantly say, you know what, I'm going to worship an idol today. It steals your heart away slowly but effectively from whom you should have your fidelity pointed towards. Check how long you spend on Facebook. Check how long you binge watch Netflix. Check how long you can play video games. I'm talking to myself now. You can see stuff that starts to try to erode or still rob your time and relationship with the Lord. That's what Israel was going through then, no different than what's going through now. What's interesting is Elijah comes into this scene and he pronounces a judgment. It's not going to rain again for three and a half years till I say so. God says, yeah, whatever you said goes. And he is supernaturally provided for, but the instruction is given to him. In verse number eight, that says simply, I want you to go to Zarephath. And there's a widow there that 
I have instructed to take care of you. Now, this is an absolutely interesting statement. Because if you really read the context of it, it's not that God wanted to take care of Israel. I mean, of of Elijah. He really wanted to take care of the widow. So he puts out this challenge. He comes into the city. It is customary during this time for people to be hospitable to foreigners that come into their territory. He says, can't you get me some water in the middle of a famine? Can I have a cup of water? (laughs) Okay. You do know it's a famine, right? Yeah. Give me some water. Fine. While she's going to get the water, he says, and while you're at it, uh, make me some bread too. And that's when she lost it. And I knew she lost it because anytime you say I swear as your first two words, you're a little bit perturbed. Okay? So when someone's walking to go get you some water in the middle of a famine that's already a stretch, and then you add while their back is turned and make me a little bread too, I swear. (laughs) By the Lord, your God. I don't have any bread. See these sticks? I was just going to take these sticks, go and bake one more little piece of bread for me and my son, and then we're going to die. Now, if somebody would have said that to me, I'd have been like, ooh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that the economy had hit your house this hard. Please forgive me. Do you just have Cheetos? I'll just, I don't want to put you out. Here's Elijah's response. Don't be afraid. You about to make some bread? That's fine. Go do that. Make mine first. Who are you? I don't even think you gave me your name. You asked for water. Now you're asking for bread. And now you're saying make me an individual cake, not a piece. Can I have a piece of yours? Make me my own cake first. And then make some for you and your son. Either this woman is like, this dude is hard, of, is hard of hearing or he's dehydrated. He's not thinking straight. Maybe that's why he asked for the water first. But something miraculous happens. He prophesies to her. And here's what he said. Here's what I want you to know. If you do this, you'll never run out of flour and you will never run out of oil until it rains again. And here's the thing that's crazy. The woman tried it, and it worked. Now, I want to say this again. This woman that's in this situation has the opportunity to respond to God because this is not for Elijah's sake. This is for the woman's sake. See, when God wants to prove a point, he likes to prove a point to people that don't believe yet. He doesn't need to prove a point to people that already believe. He's looking for people that don't yet have the faith to apply the principle to say, I want to show you how you could be living in the middle of a famine. I want to show you how you could be living in the middle of being laid off. I want to show you how you could be living in the middle of the worst economic crisis of your life. You could be living in a way that you are protected and provided for if you apply the principle of the first. 
Now, let me prove to you that this had nothing to do with Elijah. Look at uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17, verse number 6. God had provided for Elijah before Zarephath. Here's what it says. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Before God told him to go to the widow's house, he was being fed by birds, y'all. When birds are bringing you food, you are having a good day. This is the Uber Eats of the Old Testament in full display for your viewing pleasure. Before they came out with DoorDash, before they came out with Favor, before they came out with the Uber Eats app, these ravens had Uber Eats on lock. Meat and, listen, meat is, a bird can steal a piece of bread. Where are you getting meat from? Good meat, too. Where is it coming from? It's absolutely ridiculous. He brings this stuff to Elijah. This is before Zarephath. After he leaves the widow's house, here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter number 19, verses number 5 and 6. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Look at this. He looked around and there was beside his head and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Do you know the angels could cook? I just want to pause for a minute and give God praise for some cooking angels. For some culinary expertise in the angelic realm. That's just a blessing to me, the fact that they could cook. Elijah was going to be provided for no matter where he was. So him going to Zarephath wasn't about his provision. It was about the woman's provision. God loved this one woman in Zarephath, a non-covenant woman, a Gentile woman, someone that did not have a relationship with God. Old Testament. When it should have just been exclusive to the children of Israel, here is God, even in the Old Testament, extending his grace to Gentiles and saying, I want you a part of the covenant. And if you would apply the principle, you would see happen in your life what happens for my covenant children. And she did it. She gave the first cake to Elijah. And once she applied that principle... Not only did her and her son eat that day, they ate every single day until the drought was over. Because when you apply the principle of the first, God provides for you and he also protects you. Look what it says in 1 Kings chapter number uh, 17, verses 21 and 22. He stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God. Please let the, this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. While he was in the house with this woman, one day her son fell sick and died. And God had Elijah present to bring this child back to life because he's trying to prove a point to her. And here's what she ultimately says at the end of this chapter. Now I know. I, I, I gave my tithe. I gave the first to you, and, and, and I still wasn't a believer in your God. But then not only did you provide for me, you protected me. Now I know for sure that the word that's in your mouth is true and that your God is real. 
God, God wants to prove a point to you by applying this principle. He's not trying to test you in a way to manipulate you. He's testing you so he can free you. It's the principle of the first. Now, let me read you Genesis chapter number four, verses one through eight. Again, this is the fourth chapter of the first book of the Bible. Now, Adam has sexual relationships with his wife. Well, okay then. Eve, and she became became pregnant. That happens. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. Now, let me stop right there. There's a lot of theologians, many theologians believe that Cain and Abel were twins. And the reason why they believe that they were twins is because um, uh, scripture uh, is usually clear on when a woman gives birth and she begat this one and she begat that one and this one begat this one. Um, uh, But in this one, it just says uh, gave birth to Cain and then later gave birth to Abel. Some say gave birth to Cain and then again to Abel. So a lot of people think that uh, they're twins. I don't care. I know they're brothers, and if they were twins, fine. And if they were born 11 months apart, fine. And if they're 27, like, I don't care. Just, just thought that was, just thought I should throw that in there. For, for, for all the twin theologians in the room, do you. For all the, no, they weren't, do you. So, <laughs> when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Chapter number four of the first book of the Bible, the first tithe of the Bible is given in the fourth chapter of the first book. I told you it was the principle of the first, right? So the first book has the first tithe in the fourth chapter, and it's between two brothers that came from the first parents. Do do y'all see some first? Is there a recurring theme that you can kind of get into right here? The firstborn brings a, 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 a gift to the Lord. How did he know to do that? This is a heart thing, people. There's no law. You better tithe. Better tithe, you're about to be cursed. Better tithe. No, we're already living under a curse. Tithing breaks the curse. So Cain brought something. Then Abel brought something. What Cain brought was not received. What Abel brought was received. And Cain got mad. Cain got mad and threw a fit and was... I don't know what's going on here. He looked dejected. And here's what I love about God. God didn't leave him wondering. God didn't leave him wondering what what is going on. 
How come my gift is not being received? God loves relationship. If, if something's wrong with somebody, you tell them why things are not going well. He didn't just leave Cain and sit back and go, mm-hmm, he better figure it out. I only take the first. Somebody better tell him. I'm not going to tell him. He better talk to his brother Abel or is he going to die because I'm not playing. I'm a God of the first. God's not petty. He sees your countenance falling. He moves in close to you. What's wrong with you? Why is your, why is your face so sad? Why, why are you uh, have such a long face? Do you not know that if you do what is right, what is right? Giving the first. If you do what is right, you will be received. But if you don't do what is right, you need to watch out because then the opportunity, there's an opportunity that Satan has to open up a door and move in. And, 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 and sad to say, what moved into his heart was comparison. This is the dangerous thing that moves into his heart. Let me read you uh, 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 point number one. Write this down. This is point number one, okay? Point number one is the heart of Cain. This is the heart of Cain. We, we know what was in Cain's heart by what we read, but there's also something in Jude, uh, verse number 11. Now, I can't, I, it, we say the book of Jude, but it's a page, y'all. It's a page. Can, can we stop calling pages books, please? You can't have a page and be a book. I get it, but stop. It's a page. Philemon, it's a page, okay? It's a letter, okay? But Jude, verse number 11, it's not even a, you can't even put a chapter to it because it's just a page, okay? Jude, verse number 11 says this, what sorrow awaits them for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money and like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. Cain represents comparison Balaam represents greed and Korah represents rebellion. Let me tell you, the danger of comparison is that you can't enjoy the life God is giving you. That's the danger of comparison. Do not let social media mess you up. Do not let your timeline dishearten you to the life God gave you looking at somebody's filtered pictures of what God gave them. <laughs> I've never been to Paris. <laughs> you don't have enough money to go to Paris. Go to Paris, Texas. Listen, I'm trying to free your life. You can go to Paris. You just can't go to France. You got enough gas money to go to Paris, Texas, though. And get back. Come on now. Let God use you. Listen. Live the life he gave you. That timeline will mess you. <laughs> ah, no, Jesus. Start going through that thing. Amen for you. Amen for you. Here's mine. Mm, yeah, I'm in Paris, Texas. Some blue bonnets. It's getting real over here. Springtime in Texas. Amen. You're in France. You ain't here. But they ain't got a bluebell out there. Live your life. Live the life he gave you. When Cain got into comparing, he committed murder. Now, mind you, what was the instruction? Give, sacrifice the first. Here's the thing. It's in all of us, deeply on the inside of us to sacrifice. 
We're built with it on the inside of us. The enemy wants to block it, but he makes us sacrifice other stuff. So instead of sacrificing to keep your marriage, you make a sacrifice and kill your marriage through infidelity and adultery. Instead of sacrificing to be at work on time, you sacrifice some more sleep and lost your job in Jesus' name. And then you got to spin the testimony. You know, the Lord is just taking me through a different path right now. No, you're lazy, boo. Stop. Wake up on time and get to work. Stop yourself. Cain should have killed the right thing, which wasn't his brother. It should have been his ego. I'm in the building right now. Do you know the, the majority of people who tithe is, 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 is tied to their ego because they know something? That's the law. I ain't got to do that. It's, it's legalism. You ain't going to get me. You ain't going to buy a car with my tithe. Nobody should be buying a car with your tithe. If they do, they're not good stewards. Don't tithe there. It's, it's not don't tithe at all. It's don't tithe there. If the pastor has a Bentley outside and a raggedy carpet inside, don't tithe there. Listen, what are we talking about? Get a revelation. The issue is a stewardship issue, not the heart issue that we're supposed to have to apply this principle. Let me give you some more scripture. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter number 19, verse number three. I love this. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And then they are angry at the Lord. Anybody? Anybody ever seen this? Anybody have kids? You ever seen your kids ruin their weekend by their disobedience and get mad at you? Isn't it confusing a little bit? Like, hey, 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 you were disrespectful this week and uh, grades weren't up to par. So, yeah, consequence is you don't get any video games this weekend. (laughs) Walk upstairs. Go into the room and close the door gently. Because they know if they slam it. Behold, I will stand at the door and knock. I will do it. I promise you I will do it. And I will have leather in my right hand, which is the right hand of my strength. And I will apply the righteousness of God upon the flesh of man. I got Bible for this, okay? All day. Bars. All day. Okay. I got to stop. Okay. I got to stop. I got to stop. I'm walling out. Okay. I got to stop. Okay. When people apply their foolishness, this is what happened with Cain. Cain was foolish and had the nerve to get mad at God. And I'm going to explain this at the end, why why this had to be really, uh, 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 not humorous, but just uh, uh, a concern for God. I'm going to give you his perspective in a moment. Proverbs chapter number three, verses nine and ten. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. The best is the first. Listen, is the best the first? Okay. Have you ever asked for somebody's food? Like, hey, when the meal comes, can I taste it? And have you ever heard somebody say, I will save you 
a bite. I don't want it, sir. I don't want your saved bite at the end. That's not the best. The best is if you if you get your plate and say, didn't you say you wanted a bite and let them have it first. If you let them have it last, there's something in your heart that really says, I did not want to give this to you in the first place. But since you asked, I guess here you go. That's how some people pay their tithe. I wish he would, if he ever changed his mind, if there's ever a book written after Revelation where he lets up on this, I'll take it. Because I really don't want to do it anyway. This is not a law issue. This is a heart issue. So he says, then you're, Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. He's just talking about the fact that there will be provision for you. Exodus chapter number 23, verse number 19. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. Now write this down. This is point number two, the heart of Abel. We talked about the heart of Cain. Now let's talk about the heart of Abel. We know what Abel's heart was in the moment because he gave the first to God. But the writer of Hebrews makes an incredible statement to give you the context by which he applied the principle of the first. Here it is. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Let me read the first sentence again. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. How do we tithe? By faith faith. Here's a statement I hear so often. I can't tithe because I can't afford to. You'll never afford to until you start tithing. Well, how can I do it? By faith. How are you doing anything else as a believer? How are you living a sanctified life? You think it's your willpower? It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The way that the only way that you can be nice to people you hate is by faith. Jesus, please don't let me slap my boss. In Jesus' name, amen. Walk in there. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I am, I'm just, I'm good. I feel like I'm dying on the inside right now, but I'm good. Oh, let's talk about that death for a moment because we'll be talking about it next week. We are crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live, but Christ on the inside of us. It's Galatians 2.20, right? We die to ourselves so we can live this life like Christ lived this life. In the same way, we have to die to the way we want to view our finances and line up in the way that God has called us to live our life. And the way we live our life as believers in covenant relationship with God is by the principle of the first. He created a spot in our hearts and that spot is just for him. Anything that tries to get into that spot is going to cause us discomfort and pain until we align and put him back in the number one spot that he created that spot for in the beginning. Okay, so he does it by faith. That's the way that we live is by 
faith. Joshua chapter number six, verse number 19. Again, the principle of the first. I want you to hear this. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Now, Joshua chapter number six is when they fought the battle of Jericho. Y'all know that, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Every time I talk about Joshua 6, I have to sing that. So just, I just had to. Joshua, the Israelites, fought the battle of Jericho. It's the first battle they fought for all of Canaan. The first. So here's what God says. Everything you get from that battle has to come back into the storehouse. Has to come back into the Lord's house. Why? It's the tithe. It's the principle of the first. You fought the battle. You won. The first belongs to me. The second, third, 18th, 19th, 27th, 20th. Keep it. I'm fine. You go fight the battle of AI? Yay, you. Keep it. You knock off the parasites? Keep it. You knock off the Jebusites? Keep it. Keep it. You knock off termites? Keep it. <laughs> Whatever ites you battle, that's fine. The first belongs to me. It's the principle. And it's applied all through Scripture. Here is Genesis chapter number 22. This is very familiar. Uh, 10 through 14. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Because he had to get his attention because he was about to kill his son. So there's exclamation marks there for a reason. You don't see somebody about to kill their son and be like, Abraham. (laughs) Abraham. He yelled it, okay? Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on that boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. What? The first. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram provision. You're going to give your first. He's going to give you provision. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. He was going to give his first. And as soon as God knew he was going to give his first, he said, you know what? I don't even need it because, you know, he doesn't. It's a test, as Stephen talked about last week. It's a test to see who is going to have preeminence and first place in your life. So he says, you're going to give your firstborn. I'll already provide the ram because it's the principle of the first. And then Matthew chapter number six, verses uh, verse number 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and his and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. First service. Young lady named uh, Jennifer comes to me uh, in guest central and she goes, hey, Tim, I know what you're saying is the truth. She was like, I just paid my tithes. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you so much. She was like, yeah, I'm unemployed. I was like, oh, okay. She said, yeah, um, um, the message from last week that Stephen spoke, I paid my tithe off the last check that I got before, uh, uh, b- before I was let go from the job. And later this week, like in the past seven days, she said, the company sent me another check. 
I said, that's awesome, man. You're just thinking, you know, like a regular paycheck. And so you, you're like, oh, thank, that's good. She said, so I'm going on vacation. I was like, wait a minute. It's like, you didn't say how much this check was for you to be going on vacation. She was out. The widow of Zarephath. The last became the first, became provision in perpetuity. He can't prove it until you do it. So many people trying to figure out their finances. Well, when I, as soon as I get enough money, then I'll start tithing. You won't have enough money till you start tithing. That's how it works. By faith, you do it, and then God does something supernatural. We always tell people to step out on faith on everything else, but then when it comes to money, we get shy. Well, I, don't want, I don't want them to think they're being manipulated. Listen, to the pure, all things are pure. I'm not going to be sitting up here trying to, trying to mince words to make sure that you don't believe that. I, stop! <laughs> she gave, and the Lord immediately responded to the need. Now, for all the logical people, when well, that check was coming anyway, it was probably already cut, and they was probably, shut up. Can you let somebody, will you please let these people live with their testimony of what the Lord is doing? Because he's trying to prove a point. Now, let me give you why God was so upset with Cain. This is the reason I believe he was so upset with him. I'm going to read you some scriptures, and I'll give you the context, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 20 says this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen? We'll talk about that next week because next week is Easter. He is the first. He is the what? Louder. Louder. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Colossians 1.15 says this. Christ is the invisible image of the, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme first over all creation. John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son first so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Remember, Cain was mad at God. Face got disheartened, countenance fell, looking mean. And he's mad at God. He's offended that God would not accept his sacrifice. Can can we look at it from a different perspective real quick? Have you ever stopped to consider that maybe God was offended with Cain's sacrifice? That when he received it, he thought to himself, are are you serious right now? Let's go back through the first. Adam's the first man, pulled out of him as the first female. They give birth to the firstborn son to ever walk planet Earth. And it don't dawn on you to give the first? Your brother did. Let me remind you, uh, Christ uh, is my first and only begotten son. And before the foundations of the world, I gave him up. God is not telling you to apply a principle he hasn't applied first. He gave his first. I want to be like God. Give your first. 
He gave his best. I want to be like God. Give your best. And look at Remember, if you give the first, he blesses the rest. I'm going to say it again. If you give the first, he blesses the rest. Never wonder why you're blessed. He gave the first. It blessed the rest. Remember, when Christ went to the cross to die for our sins, here's what God was saying. If I give up my best, I get everybody else. (laughs) I get to have a family reunion with everybody else that would believe in my son if I give up my best first. It's a great deal. I'll get all of humanity if I give up the first. And he does it. And that, ooh, this is so good. I'm trying to stop. And that tithe is still alive. Here's what I love about it. It's alive. He sees it as a living thing. And the reason why he promises to bless, to provide, and to protect is because when he sees the ongoing covenant relationship of those that apply the principle of the first, he says, this covenant and this relationship is alive. And I'll make sure. And it stays that way. It, it's, it's, it's on us to obey. It's on him to do the blessing. And he does it in every single season of our lives. Jennifer, like I just told you, unemployed, still tithed off her check, and God blessed her. Whether you're a multimillionaire and own a business, whether you got a bunch of 401k stock and, and, and you make over six figures or you make, may make seven figures, here's what I love. It's the same. Just give the first. You don't get extra credit for like double tithing. I've heard of people that they're reverse tithers. God's blessed them so much. They reverse tithing. So they tithe 90 percent. They keep 10. Here's what I love about God. He don't care. He didn't ask you to do that. You're not going to get to heaven and be like, hey, you see those mansions over here lined up over here? Those are my reverse tithers. I gave them extra square footage. Because, I mean, I mean, they gave 90. Isn't that amazing? Those mansions, the little micro mansions, yeah, those, those guys, they just they never got above 10%. <laughs> the principle of the first is you give it, and it's done. But here's what happens. You know how you get up to a 90% reverse tithing? Your heart don't shut. <laughs> Once this becomes a principle of your heart, it stays your heart. And it doesn't get smaller and contract. It gets larger and expands. And it becomes a a very addictive thing to do. Here's why I'm teaching this, just so you know. Um, Not because we need it. I'm teaching the Blessed Life series. This is the first time we've ever taught the Blessed Life series as a church. In January, I'm sorry, in December of uh, 2017, our overall attendance was about 400 people, 450, 480 adults and kids. By the end of January of 2018, our attendance was over 800. So I don't know where y'all came from, <laughs> but I appreciate you. I don't, know, I don't know where you came from. I don't know if you accidentally Googled Embassy Suites and found up on Embassy. <laughs> I don't know how you got here. Maybe you're about to check into a hotel and then we pop. I don't know. 
I have no clue. I don't know if you live down the street, around town, all over the Metroplex. And y'all do, y'all do know this is a Metroplex church because people drive from all over the city to get here, including me. I live in Denton. Okay? So I drive here. So before you say, you know, it is kind of a hike. I know already about a hike. A hike too, 31 miles. I clocked it on my odometer. Okay, never mind. Um, We've had, we, we've had 400 extra people come to the church. Now, the people that have already been at this church know this principle, and they apply it. Over 95% of all the income that comes into Embassy City Church comes in during the week, not on the weekends. That's why we don't have to raise an offering, because y'all are already disciples of Jesus Christ. We want all the people that are coming into this wonderful community to have the same experience that all of us have been enjoying since September of 2015. And that is we're living the blessed life because we are tithers as disciples of Jesus and extravagant givers as blessed people of God. Apply the principle of the first. Don't let non-believers be more prosperous in this than we are. Maybe I should mention that. It is a principle. And if you apply the principle, whether you have a covenant or not, it's going to work for you. Ask every instant millionaire who starts a charity. At least 10% is going to go back out. So they can keep the 90. The principle works even if you don't have a covenant. But those that have a covenant enjoy it in a way that those that don't never will. So here's a question I want to ask before we close. Who's on first? Are you tired of trying to cover your own basis? I guarantee you if you put God on first, he'll cover all the bases for you. And you will live the blessed life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at embassy.